Coming to you live from the Cross Country Mortgage Campus in Berea, Ohio, this is Cleveland Browns Daily, brought to you by BallyBet, coming soon to Ohio on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Here are your hosts, Bo Bishop and Nathan Zagura. All right, let's do it live on a first Friday edition of the program, Merely Bo and the Great Z. How you living, buddy? Ah, eh. It's gray. It is. It's yeah. a, it is a first Locked Friday. In. That's exciting. Sure. So I'm pumped for that. Mr. Anarella. Mr. Anarella walking by. What legend. A, a legend. Yeah, champion. Champion. I'm, I'm pumped. I'm going to go... Uh, Gonna go watch a little bit of the uh, the Cavaliers later. At, uh, oh, you're gonna at go? Spoto's not going to the game. Going to Spoto's with some okay. of the, some of the fellas. So that'll be nice. Nice little Wednesday. Ben so, Caro in town tonight. Apparently, he's having a historic start. Do you? What do you make of the uh, hyperbole run amok of early season NBA? Examples, please. Feels like NBA media wants to crown every single kid who's off to a good two game stretch as a unicorn. Yeah, like everybody can't be a unicorn. Otherwise, there are no unicorns. That, that well, right then, there's zebras, to, right? With horns, zebras. Uh, right, exactly. Yeah, like that's the you know. stripeless so, zebras. Yeah, but this will be a fun one tonight, and uh, to be able to watch that's that's a nice little it's a nice little day for you. You yeah. enriched my life yesterday. Thank you. Uh, in a well, other than in general, um, with the knowledge that the the iPad charger. Dude, is it's unbelievable a, in comparison to the standard Apple phone charger. It's the new, the one that runs off the USB-C. It's, yeah, yeah. I don't know what it is about that USB-C. I was unaware. C I, stands for cooking. It's cooking with gas, brother. I had, I we have several of them, but I never, and I've used them before on phone, but I never paid attention to the difference before <laughs> until yesterday when you said, and I said, boy, it's annoying that, they, that I don't have the USB anymore. It's harder to find plugins. You go, well, true, but... These suckers charge at a much faster rate. The supercharger now. They see, are the right? supercharger. It's a supercharger. Yeah, the supercharger of chargers, and yeah. it was a full charge in 15 minutes. Yeah. Crazy. Yes. So good job to you. Well, good job out of them to come up with this technology. It, it's funny. I was, I was the same as you. I was like, what is this? I'm not using this. I'm used right. to my USB. And then I remember one day I was sitting here. And this iPad, which is an old 17-inch iPad Pro, like this yep. is old, it's an old school. Beast. It's like Vagar. It is like Vagar. It's a big. It's a big iPad. Yeah. But I would sit here and we would do the show, and I would have it plugged in with the USB one, and it would go down as the show would go on. Yeah. And so now, since we you walked in is when I put this in. Yep. Since you walked in, I was at about 28%. I'm at 44. Just since you walked in, and that's on an iPad with it on with the full full throat yeah, on the screen brightness. We're doing that's where it it's at right there. There he is. Man of power, luminary. Yep. Cruising Theodore. around. Sure. Uh, one other thing I wanted to run by you. I had forgotten. Uh, you've talked about this with your kids, and I've talked about it with mine. The What you get with your children is, at times, an ability to relive your youth. And so whether that's it's right. the Star Wars epics or oh, baby. Indiana Jones or any of these oh. things that you're – Goonies. Oh, wait till I sh- Is that really what you were going to say? That's exactly where I was going. So last night – that's outrageous. It's outrageous. I get done with third grade hoops. Uh, NBC hadn't seen him. And so he goes, we sit down, and it was like 8.0, a little after 8. And it had, and I, we, I was flipping. I still like to flip and see what else is on. I like an ability to bounce around at things. Huge B moment out of you. And I see the Goonies had just started. Oh, what a film. And I have not seen it in 25 years. Oh. There's no way I've seen it in 25 years. And I so have. it comes up, and I go, well, this is great. I said, have you seen this? And he goes, no. What, what's this? What's this, Dad? And I, in. We're in. Dude, 
He was on the edge of his seat. Yeah. The whole time. One-eyed Willie. His his hand like this, like with the ch- the unveiling of Chunk and all of that. Oh, Chunk. Yeah. Incredible. Um, it was unbelievable. Like to the point of like I go, and unfortunately it, ha- it was on commercial, so it's got to be streaming somewhere. I got to find it. Bro. Um, yeah. Or I is. should just buy it. On buy Amazon. it. I that bought it. it yes. Yeah, that's what I should have done. My kids um, have probably seen it 10 times. Yeah, I got to get it back. So I... So we, he wasn't able to watch it all the way, but it was to the point because it was uh, with commercials was going to last till ten thirty, and that's past bedtime. But he was so transfixed that usually when I say, "Hey, I need you to run upstairs and brush your teeth," so that, and then come back down, and then you can stay up for another commercial or something like that, like bat out of hell upstairs, brush the teeth. Not a, probably a good brushing in all retrospect, but at this point Haste, it was like a hastily no question tooth. But it was justified in how great and how dialed in he was into Goonies. Because Goonies is awesome. It's awesome, and it's such a good for like young, young people, like yes. your crew, adventure. and you're going on this adventure, and it all. I mean, you've got great cast, fantastic cast. Brolin in the mix is the old, the he's big the old brother. brother. Yeah. yeah, he's in the mix. They have to like get him in that. Uh, they strap yeah, him strap in, him in those, those yeah. the coil. Joey pants. Workout. Joey pants. Involved. The the lady she's isn't like, that like Matuzak or something? Who's the who plays? The crazy guy. I don't know. Not Chunk, but the guy who loves Chunk. Chunk's the kid with the. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. He does the, yeah, the Chunk's the, the truffle kid. shuffle. Yeah, the guy, the other guy. Yeah, the one they have all. Ch- I don't know who that guy is. Who's all locked. He's in. a football player. Is it really? Yeah, it's a football player. Okay, all right. Yeah. It was fantastic. And then I started. So then, as a often will happen, you'll start to think because this is how I stumbled into Indiana Jones for the boys. It was like, oh, I can unveil all of this to you. Okay. You're gonna love all of this. <laughs> so on Goonies, I thinking to myself. I, I think he's probably old enough for Stand By Me. Stand By Me is a little the darker. One, well, though. have we done Princess Bride? Yeah, well, that, they had that for the okay. young. Yeah, okay, okay, all right. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it was John Matuzek. John sloth. Matuzek was sloth. Yeah, amazing. Yeah, yeah. Joey Pants, Ann Ramsey, who is Mama Fratelli, who's unreal. Cindy Lauper in there, but I mean Feldman was great, and then Sean Astin. Sean Astin is his best. Data, how great is Data? The Pictures of Power. Well, and he was Saved in Temple, the of Power. Temple of Doom. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And which is which they love the first hour of Temple of Doom, and then you know it gets a little dark. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Get a little, there's some scary things in there. We'll yeah, have to try to explain through in Temple of Doom. It's unreal though. No, it was awesome. Martha Plimpton, she was like the the sister. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You did everything that you needed. Oh baby, did it. Yeah, it was fun. I love that. How crazy is that though? That of all the of movies, all the movies that you would pull Goonies. Yeah, but he's ten. So perfect. It's perfect. I loved Goonies. Yeah, me too. So he was old enough to be scared of it a little bit. Yeah. And then but also enough the suspense was So does that make him real. like So that got me as a kid like I was like let's find a pirate treasure. Was he like Oh yeah. I well I don't know if kids do that anymore. I mean we did that. Like that's what Stand by Me was like that too. It was like, "Hey, let's get some dude." I mean that ends a little different, but like <laughs> the treasure they seek is is very very different. Very different than but, gold. But you were also like this notion of, "Hey, let's get some buddies." Yeah. And let's, you know, for us, it was horseback and let's go sort some things out. Yeah. Um, let's go. Right. Yeah. Let's like go on an adventure. A real adventure. Yeah. By the way, underrated performance in that film is the father when at the end and he's like, we're not going to tear us at all. Oh, up. yeah. He's not oh, coming. God. The emotion yeah. there. It's really. Oh, yeah. Does Keith Walker was the, is the actor. Yeah. He was great. Yeah. Quite the heater for Feldman at that time. Oh, Feldman was on a great heater. Yeah. He yeah. had a hell of a run. It's sad though that like 
it's I'm ha- like Sean Astin made it out and feels like a pretty normal guy, like made it through his whole Hollywood run and feels like he was pretty normal. He but dipped too, though, didn't he? In terms of popularity, guys, but no, no, I, no. Did, but I, I think he had. Some did issues. he? I feel like all I don't think he got like Feldman or Haim. Right. Well, Feldman, well, the Corys. Yeah, well, yeah. dude, how about Lost Boys? Oh yeah, Lost Boys would have had all those cats in it. Yeah. Are they ready for Lost Boys? No, no, no. no. Too scary. The vampires. Part of it. Dude, yeah, Kiefer Sutherland. Too much. Yeah. Have your have your uh, noodles. Well, he was oh, in their worms. He was in that, and then he was he's in, he's the bad, big bad in Stand by Me. Oh Keeper yeah, Sutherland is. That's right. Yeah. You have a Jerry O'Connell in there as the mm-hmm. pie eating kid. Yeah. Right. Yep. Feldman in that too. Yeah. River Phoenix. River Phoenix. Yeah, it's a strong <sighs> cast. Jeez. Yeah. Just go on adventures. Grab a knapsack. Go on adventures. All you need. How, how come Andy never made it? Andy and Goonies. Yeah. Probably had a, probably had a better run than you remember. Lucas. Goonies, Lucas, Summer Rental. No, Summer Rental's classic. Summer Rental's good. Lucas was... I didn't love Lucas. That's Heyman. I think Richard Krenn is in Summer Rental, isn't he? Let's say Summer Rental cast. We've got a John Candy. We've got a Karen Austin, Carrie Green, a Rip Torn, a Joey Lawrence, a Richard Krenn. Yes! 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 Can you imagine going from... Richard Krenn. He's in, he's in First Blood. Yep. He sure is. He's in First Blood. Then he's in Part another two, one with and Rambo Three. Well, he's in, yeah the original Trotman. He is Trotman. And then there he's also in another one with uh, Matt Dillon, the Flamingo Kid, which is a pretty classic at that time as well. Which was uh, a little bit about a summer at the club. And and you enjoyed Red Oaks, uh, the Amazon I, series Red Oaks, which you which I did on to, which I enjoyed a great deal. Then this was the Flamingo kind of, Kid. Flamingo would be Kid right was there. kind of the, the yeah the movie version, version of, of it. That. Yeah, beforehand. He also reprised his role from Rambo in Hot Shots Part Deux. That's an interesting play that he ran it into that. Yeah. That's good. I'm sure he's looking for a payday at that point. Yeah, you got to take it. The checks have to cash, my friend. They have to. Um, all right. We are, uh, we're going to turn the page to the Bengals this week. The players are back in the building today. Monday nighter uh, here at First Energy against Cincinnati. Officially, Jacob Phillips on IR. We signed safety Mike Brown to the practice squad mm-hmm. as well. A safety coming in the trade deadline is next tuesday uh jeremy fowler some interesting writing today about you know some of the guys who could be on the block interesting few days here in the building yeah and you know i think given that we play monday night you know we're my guess is if we did anything it'll probably be next tuesday right before the deadline. right before yeah. yeah so we could have everybody on all hands on deck for this game um but, yeah, I think it could be an interesting time. Look, we, we obviously have some roster spots. We're going to need, you know, mili- we have guys that we can elevate. You got the guys on the practice squad can be elevated three times before you would be in danger of losing them. Um, but, yeah, we need Dakota Allen's probably a good bet to come up as a linebacker, and I think it's probably a good bet, you know, Miller Forrestall. And then I, I'm guessing Zaire mitchell Payton would be activated this week off of the practice squad as well. So, because unless Pharaoh Brown is is quick in and out of the concussion protocol, which we have not seen a ton of quick in and out of the no, concussion protocol, no, it feels like it's changed since the Tua stuff. That it has, but it, I, there are examples of people who have were in it and then they were able to play like that same week. So yeah, is Denzel still in it? Right, he is. This is going on week three. It is. Yeah, not great. Not, not great, great yeah. against a team that can throw the ball around the yard. Yeah, they can like the Bengals. Yeah, they can. Um, the interesting on the Tuesday deadline, you know, one thing that we'll have to watch for as we get closer to Monday, if we are going to make moves, would you like keep 
um, keep an eye on who's active Monday night? Like you wouldn't want, would you want someone getting dinged if you're trying to trade him the next day? My guess is if you're not trading him before the game, it's because you want them to play in the game. No, no, I agree. But like if you are, or if you're close on a deal. I think we need to win hope? this game. I think like, yeah. if, 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 okay, let's just take the example that's been talked about, not certainly yeah. in our building, but outside would be Kareem Hunt. Right. I think you would want Kareem Hunt to help you win the game more than you'd be worried about that derailing the trade. I don't have a problem with that. Yeah. That's what, so you know what I mean? So that's yeah. kind of, that's my thought process on it. Uh, I think people have made a lot about this trade deadline this year. I don't know if it's going to be as active as people do think it is going to be. And I don't know, like the, it's very likely, it's probably more likely than not that the Browns make no moves. Yeah, I think I think probably the reason that it it's there's but, a couple reasons it's got a little juice. McCaffrey's already been dealt. Yep. So you already have a blockbuster that's happened. Um, you have, as we alluded to yesterday, a lot of teams who believe that they're in it, and especially in the NFC. And if they feel like a player here or there can help, and in the AFC there is a clear separation at the top between the Bills and the Chiefs and everybody else. And if you feel like you're closer than maybe you thought, like what the Jets did with the Robinson trade. Um, you maybe try to make one sure. of those moves to get closer to where you are. And I think the reason it hits home for us is because of the loss last week to the Ravens, and now you're on, like we talked about earlier in this week, like parallel the two paths. parallel paths. Yep. One of, God, let's beat Cincinnati and let's get this season back in order, which you can do with a win. It's, Ab- this is not that complicated. Absolutely. Um, you're not out of anything. You you beat Cincinnati on Monday night. You go to 3-5. Three to three and five. They drop to 4-4. Four and four. You're a game behind them. The ball, Doesn't Baltimore have... Philly this week? Or is that Pittsburgh? No, Baltimore is Tampa on Thursday night. Baltimore is Tampa on Thursday night. So they'll be favored like, in that, but that yes. it's conceivable. You could get to a point Let's with a win here very easily, believably. You're three and five. They're both four and four in your game out in your division. Yes. So that's but, it's tall odds. The team that's coming in here is really good. But that's the hope that you can sell. And that's what the belief is here in the building. But we've swept them three of the last four years. No big deal. Isn't it strange? We've won oh, five happened. straight in a row against them. That's right. Seven of the last eight. Joe Burrow's never tasted victory against the Cleveland Browns. Because his only one, he was hurt. The only victory in that time, he was hurt, right? No, he hasn't. They haven't won since he was here. We're 4-0 the last two years. We won five in a row. Wow. The last I time. I remember that game. So that was the year that they were. They won the year that they picked him number one. Oh wait, hold on. I don't think so. I thought there was a year. I thought he got we, hurt. We beat him. Year. We beat him here. It was a classic game here. Yeah, that was this week two. Week two on and Thursday night. I thought night. at the end of that year they beat us. Did they down there without to... Burrow because he was down with an injury? It would make sense, but we've won. We've won. I know we won the last four. Yeah, so we've won four in a row. Yeah, yeah you're right. So we lost 33-23 on uh, December 29th two th- at the end of 2019. That's right. When we be- got beat there, Mixon ran. Mixon ran a month. Like crazy. That was Freddie. Yep, that was Freddie's last game. Freddie's last, last game. Freddie's last game. Yep, so we won four in a row. We still never haven't tackled Joe Mixon. But, so Burrow was a rookie that year, but he didn't play. Play, because he, he was knocked out. Yep. So you're undefeated against Burrow. Yep. Uh, you know, four and zero the last two times, and a total of five and zero against him. But, but you do he, didn't play, he didn't play. He didn't play at the end of last year. Either. Last year either. They benched, right, They didn't they play were... anybody in week in the final game against us. Yeah, they were chilling. That was Case Keenum against Brandon Allen. That's right. So he's so for him then it's three. He's zero and three. Joe Burrow is zero and three against us. Zero and three against the Cleveland Browns uh, for his career. 
Uh, 68% completions, 1,004 yards, six touchdowns, three picks, all three picks in the last two games, 91.7 rating. He's been sacked 12 times, at least three in every game against us. Now it's good to know for the over-unders. It is good to know. Um, yeah, so since week three, Joe Burrow, 71% completions, 312 yards per game, 12 touchdowns, one pick, 117 rating. All those stats I just gave you are top three in the NFL. The last two games alone, they've scored 30-plus in both. 78%, 781 yards, six touchdowns, zero picks, 133 rating. Can Is I say, that good? Can I say that I came across two of my favorite facts ever in preparation for oh, this yeah, game? Oh, yeah, please, please, do share. The last two games, he's had three or more passing touchdowns and one or more rushing touchdowns in each of the last two games. He and Joe Montana are the uh, only players since 1950 to do that in back-to-back games. Three or more passing and one or more rushing, which seems wild to me that that hasn't been more common. Burrow is the only one ever to have consecutive games of 300 or more passing yards, three passing touchdowns, one rushing touchdown, and no interceptions. Oh, it's and no interceptions. Three rushing touch, three passing, one rushing, and no interceptions. Back and to back. Three hundred yards passing, and he's, he's the only one. Back-to-back. He's Ever the only to one to do, do it with the three hundred passing part. Him and Montana, the only ones with the touchdowns and no pick. And then here's the other one, and this one's just gonna, this one's really gonna tickle our hearts. <laughs> and we're gonna play a game. Name the quarterback. All right. Okay. Right now. All three of the Bengals receivers are top 20 in receiving yards. Jamar Chase has mm-hmm. 605. He's sixth. T. Higgins, 455. He's 18th. Tyler Boyd, 455. He is 18th. All right. The last time, can anybody tell me the last time a team had three receivers all in the top 20 in a season? Last time a team had all three other three receivers that finished in the top 20 in receiving yards for that season. The first thing that come to my head, I'm just going to go with it, is one of the greatest show on turf Rams with Isaac Bruce, Oz Akeem, and Torrey Holt. I will remind you that this is one of my favorite stats that oh, I've it's George ever come then. It's Jeff George. It's that Jeff it's, George and the 1995 a, Atlanta Falcons. Eric Metcalf, Terrence Mathis, Bert Emanuel. Emanuel. Now this one, not as fun for Metcalf, me personally. Metcalf, Emanuel, and who? Terrence Mathis. Mathis. Wow. And Jeff George. Who's the, who's the coach there? Is that a June that Jones? Is a, it is a June Jones. And then yeah. they had a falling out early into the two. That team went to the playoffs, 9-7. and seven. He threw for yeah. like 366, I want to say, on the road in uh, in Who was uh, the back? Green Bay, Ironhead Hayward. That's the first team ever to have a 1,000-yard running back, a 4,000-yard 4, 4, quarterback, yeah. and 3,000-yard receivers. That's the first one ever. Crazy. 1995. Man, June Jones was a genius. June Jones. Yeah, then he got mad at Jeff and turned over to Bobby Hebert. That's uh, that. Bengals receivers, all three on pace for over 1,000 yards this year. Can you get, give me the last team to have three receivers with more than 1,000 yards? Can you give me a time frame? Sure, in the 2000s, that decade. They went to it. They represented their conference in the Super Bowl. Their quarterback, Hall of Famer, at least one of the receivers is a Hall of Famer, if not two. It's got to be the Colts. Nope. Good guess, though. Um, I think the Colts been? team with Brandon Stokely that qualifies was earlier. I think it was with, in, with, with the, the Broncos. 90s. No, with the with the Colts. No, no, no. I'm saying was it the Broncos? No, no, not with Demarius Thomas and that was two man show. No, it was Demarius. Tom- they had Demarius Thomas and uh, was it Wes Sanders. Welker there too? No, at that point, he didn't have a thousand. Yards. Didn't have a thousand, or no. and then Emmanuel Sanders. Wes Welker followed them to Denver. Yeah, 
I don't remember that. I have no. Yeah, rec- he played. Yeah, no he cheated on Tom with yep. Peyton. Yeah. Um, Although I feel like I picture, I can picture him in that helmet. He was there for two years. Welker's best year there was seventy three, seven seventy eight, and ten in two thousand thirteen. Two thousand. It's okay. They, NFC Cardinals. That's right. Two thousand eight. Bolden Fitz. Yeah, come on. Can you give me the third? I know this from fantasy. Yeah, I knew it without even looking at it. Steve. See Breston, Michigan. Steve Breston. Yeah. yeah. So Breston Fitz and and my Bolden. man Quan. All over a thousand. Let me say this. So they brought back. I don't know if this made it onto the TV broadcast, but I'm sure at some point it did. That they brought back the their Super Bowl team, ten year anniversary of Baltimore. The, yeah, the 2012. Team. It did. It was a brief. Yes. Yeah. So I got to see. I got to talk to Paul Kruger, which was nice. He's yeah. doing well. He's living the dream. Literally lives in Scottsdale in a sick pad, plays golf all the time. He's yeah. just having time of his life and well deserved. Fine man. Hair is still tremendous on Paul Kruger. Um, so in my mind, okay. and this is going to be, I'm what you may say, say, what are you talking about? In my mind, I always thought like Anquan Bolden was billed as like 6'1", 6'2", 220, thick, but like well, he 6'1", was. 6'2". Uh, I mean, I, I knew him as a college player at Florida State. I think they listed him taller than that. He's not a whole lot taller than I am, I don't believe. Dude, how tall are you? Like 5'11", somewhere in there. I don't think he's even as tall as you are. He is... Yeah, he's listed as six one two twenty. Now he Not was a probably chance. no, yeah, he was probably. I was towering over him. Yeah, he was probably at best five eleven six feet, okay. and then he's probably more like two hundred and thirty at some points, like two hundred and thirty pounds of he's straight six, muscle. Yeah. Remember, he got like on the David Boston for a while. No, no, for sure. No, I was yeah, yeah. just more the height. I just height, in my yeah. like, I think of him as a big, physically imposing guy. He is not, which makes to me standing next to him for the first time that I, I just don't know why I would have no recollection of standing next to him. I mean, I remember he was here. I ran into him in the lobby. You and I were walking yeah. out here. Yeah, but it was went, so quick. And you're on. like, what's he doing here? What are you yeah. doing here, man? And like, I just, I was taken aback by how not big he was. Yeah. And how tough he is and how just ridiculous. Like, he got his face peeled off of his skull after that hit when he had that fracture. That's right. And took no pain medicine. At any point, no drugs at any point while they perform nothing and played That's like right. two weeks later. Kurt Warner almost quit playing football because of that hit. He That's felt so right. responsible. Yeah. And like he, this, he, what a, what a beast. He, he works for the NFL, right? Like he does NFL PA stuff or he does, works for the league maybe. Maybe. And something. So the other yeah. thing that stood out to me after seeing those guys is, and I've seen Ed Reed and Ray Lewis in various places and whatnot. But the other thing I didn't realize was, like, Terrell Suggs that lists him as 6'3", 265, he's bigger than that. Yeah. He was a big dude. Big cranium. Huge. Yeah. 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 Huge. They, that was a squad, man. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That totally. Was, that was. Uh, all right. Coming up next, we will meet the Bengals. Uh, oh, oh, we have a mailbag first Friday edition. Tweet your questions to Brown at Browns underscore daily. Use the hashtag AskCBD. We will get to those in about 15 minutes as oh, well. Baby. Hey, Cleveland Browns fans, skip the chore of laundry. Enjoy life, not laundry. Tide Cleaners is offering 30% off dry cleaning for the month of October. Be entered to win four VIP Browns tickets to an upcoming game. Just mention promo code Browns. Visit TideCleaners.com to find the closest location to you. Some exclusions may apply. We'll meet the Bengals coming up next. You'll Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland.
Cleveland Browns Daily brought to you by BallyBet. Coming soon to Ohio on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Well, there's a new way to cheer on your Cleveland Browns with the help of your favorite four-legged companion. Barking Backers, presented by Milk Bones, the Browns' newest club for pet parents worldwide. Sign up today at BarkingBackers.com. Barking Backers, the fan club for dogs. Time to meet the 2022 Cleveland Bengals. They are 4-3 and three Cleveland Bengals. I like it. I mean, Cincinnati Bengals. Merge They're, the teams. Put we'll them together. this division in a second. Let's go. 4-3 and three on the season. They're tied for first in the North. Z, they are a very different team the last three weeks than they were the previous few weeks this team is really talented my friend well like they were one and two after three games we were two and one they have now won three of their last four four of their last five overall they're actually oh and two when we were one and one we're now two and five they're now four and three uh they have really kind of just decided look who we are offensively who we are is a shotgun mm-hmm. passing team we've That's got right. joe burrow We've got Jamar Chase. We've got T. Higgins. We've got Tyler Boyd. We have got Joe Mixon, who's a fine running back. But what we are is a drop-back passing team out of shotgun. In fact, 83% of their passes involve no play action now. And at the beginning of the season, they were trying to play. Look at these. Look at, look at that. Look at the heat right there. Oh my God. Look at it. Just stop it. Jeez. It's just Wednesday. Oh, my God. It's, it's Wednesday. Wednesday. It's too That's much. A great line. It's just Wednesday. It's too it's much. Not, it's like Friday. It's not yeah. football Friday. It's first Friday. Oh not real. Not God. the real Friday. Unbelievable drip. Yeah. Ridiculous. Uh, and so 83% of their passing plays are just straight passes. That is the second highest rate in the league. The only team with a higher rate than that is Tampa Bay and Tom Brady. You look at what he they have done, as I mentioned, I talked about how good they've been since week three. Uh, as a team since week three, 27 points a game, 297 passing yards a game, 53% on third downs, quarterback rating of 117.5. Those ranked uh, sixth, second, second, and first, respectively. After giving 13 sacks in the first two weeks, they have allowed just 11 in the last four, and they but they have given up two plus in six of seven games. Here's the crazy thing. Bengals all-time with 25 or more points, 62-6-2. The Browns given up, as we know, 26.6 a game. So offensively, it's about Burrow. It's about throwing the football to Higgins, to Chase, and to Tyler Boyd. Now, Joe Mixon, for his career against the Browns, he has three 100-yard games. He averages 125 total yards and .75 touchdowns a game against the Browns in eight career games. His last game over 100 was that one at the end of 2019 where he had 162-2 and and looked like the best player on the field. Um, um, they're a big play offense. They've already got five receiving touchdowns of 40 yards in the NFL, uh, five receiving touchdowns of more than 40 yards, which is most in the NFL. In fact, there isn't another team with more than three <laughs> and they have five and they're yeah. all to their receivers, two for chase, two for Boyd, one for Higgins. The Browns defense has given up 24 completions of more than 20 yards, which is the seventh most in the league. They allow 7.4 big plays a game, third most. So big play offense against a defense that has struggled to stop big plays. Not a great recipe. Uh, One stat you can keep your eye on, Joe Burrows won seven straight games with a 100 quarterback rating. In his last 10 games, he's 7-0 when his rating's over 100, 0-3 when his rating is below 100. Last week we talked about 344 yards in the first half. That's right. 481 yards, three touchdowns. Uh, He ran for a touchdown as well, 138 rating. He is very, very good. Uh, Like anybody, pressure is where you get him. But most cases, when I do these stats, the pressure, they're like, oh, yeah, now we're all quarterback ranking in the 60s. He's still at 89 Mm -hmm. against pressure. You can't blitz him either. Uh, On the season, 121 rating when blitzed, which is tops in the league. And, And they're good. And then defensively, 
They've got two guys who can get after the quarterback a little bit. Trey Hendrickson, uh, he's got 31 sacks since the start of 2020. It's third in the NFL behind only T.J. Watt and Miles Garrett. Yeah, we wondered if that was an overpay when they paid no. him. No, yeah, 14 not. sacks a year ago, and then in their playoff run, three and a half sacks and a forced fumble in the playoff oh. run. They've got Sam Hubbard on the other side who has 26 and a half sacks since he's been drafted. Um, they have been an elite second-half defense this year. They've allowed 12 points in the third quarter total. Yeah. They have allowed 30 points in the second half and overtime total. Real quickly, what do 12 and 30 have in common? They are both divisible by what number? Three. That's because they have not allowed a touchdown in the second half or overtime this year. They are the only team in the NFL of which that is true. 36 opponent drives in the second half and overtime. 16 points. 16 punts. I'm sorry. 16 punts. Five turnovers interceptions or fumbles four turnovers on downs 11 field goal attempts 10 made zero touchdowns here's a couple of things to look at when you think about and this is a super bowl team from a year ago and they're kind of trending back a little bit in that way the last few weeks and yeah. even if you want to look at what they've done all year there's something I'm going to get to in a second they are 11th overall in offense in the league and they're 11th overall in defense yeah, that's in the league. good so typically if you were in the top 10 that's a team that goes to win the Super Bowl. So they are right on the cusp of that right now at 11th in offense and 11th in total defense. Yep. Here's another thing. Um, they are pretty damn good at special teams. Remember how good Evan McPherson was a year yep. ago? It carried all over to this year. He's 11 to 13 of kicks. He's got kicks of 59, 57, 52, and 50. I was unaware of this, and I've watched a lot of their games uh, because of what I do in the morning, so I have to pay very close attention to what they're doing as well. And they – I didn't. I had forgotten that all three of their losses came on the last play with field goals. At the end, they lost on a 53-yard field goal um, from from Pittsburgh in Game One. Dallas beat them on a 50-yard field goal in Game Two, and of course, Justin Tucker a 43-yarder, which for him is a chip yep. shot. Um, but all three of them were the last play of the game where yep. they lost. So when we sit here and say we should be this, we should be this, they could say we should be undefeated. We could be seven and zero. Yeah. So and they've only really been going the last three weeks in terms of that offense going and you hit it it that's the they've said for a while it was we've got to establish the run and now they're like to hell with it to hell with it spin it all you want and that worked out pretty good last week in the last two weeks really taking on uh the saints and the falcons uh in those two in those two beatdowns. it's worked incredibly well do you remember how many people uh i don't know how much it crossed over your but you paid attention remember this how many people were clamoring for them to take panay sewell you got to get protection from over Burrow. Jamar you gotta Chase. Get, you got to yeah. get protection. Do I remember from that? Yeah, of course. Idiots. How do you feel about it now? Yeah. Jamar Chase, what, back to back over 130, two tutties? Yeah. He's pretty good. He is. He's they're really the good. They're a fun time. and they're a fun team to watch. Yeah. They uh and, and you mentioned 11th in offense, 11th in defense. How about this? They're 8th in scoring offense, 7th in scoring so defense. There you go. Most importantly. Yeah, most importantly. They're that. Um, all right, we will. Uh, we have a little last CBD time, a little mailbag coming your way next. Bernie Kozar coming up at the top of the hour. You listen to Cleveland Browns Daily, brought to you by Ballybet on 850 ESPN Cleveland.
Cleveland Browns Daily brought to you by BallyBet. Coming soon to Ohio on 850 ESPN Cleveland. And the Bath Authority gives you the bathroom of your dreams in about a day. Why not transform your current bath into a custom bath for a spa-like situation? Let the Bath Authority make it a reality for you at a fraction of the cost of the competitors. The Bath Authority is our area's premier bath and shower remodeler. They are experts and factory-trained installers. You give them a call now, you get 500 bucks off your next custom bath or shower remodel. That number is 216-220-8399 or go to thebathauthority.com. It's where affordability meets quality. Largest selection of bath projects. They're all made right here in America. Change your bathroom from outdated to outstanding. Superior products and expert installers. At thebathauthority.com, 216-220-8399. 500 bucks off. You give them a call right now. Hello, Gibbe. Hi, boys. How are you? Yeah. It's like one of those days. Yeah, I know it. Weather, not great. I know it. Could just lay on the couch all day. Yeah. What would we do, though? How, how, how would you pass the time? Well, I'd do a little watch? John Cusack marathon. Cusack marathon? What are you running Maybe with Maybe a little there? Ryan Reynolds What are you marathon? going into first on a Cusack marathon? Well, my favorite, Better Off Dead. All right. Quality. Uh, uh-huh. Con Air. You could do a little Con Air. Gross Point Blank. He's good in that. He's um, great. Con Air, he's great. Con yeah. Air's a ridiculous premise. That's your – I know a good body shop. Yeah. I'll get that taken care of for you. <laughs> the premise. I mean, the, the sales pitch on that. Let's take the most dangerous – by the way, you just shoot the damn thing down. Hey, I got an idea. Let's let's land it on the on the strip in Vegas, or we could just take like a jet and just shoot, shoot it, it down, down since it's the right. worst humans ever. And I'm really sorry that collateral damage is the Green Beret who was wrongfully prosecuted and, and put in prison. That sucks. But as opposed to thousands of innocent people on the strip, this feels like the smarter alternative. Agree. Just throwing it yeah. out there. I don't know. I don't, it's just, He's been in a ton of stuff. Cusack. Yeah. Yeah. He's charming. Charming, yeah. I would, uh, I mean, he doesn't have, the, he's not, I, I liked him in Hot Tub Time Machine. I was going to say, well, Hot I'm Tub Time I'm not sure I've machine. seen Hot Tub Time Machine. Oh, it's good. It's fun? It's, it's worth watching, absolutely. All right. All right. Rob Corder is great in it. He's great in everything. He yeah. pops into anything. He's good. He is. I sometimes get Rob Corddry and the guy who plays Champ Kind confused. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And they were both uh-huh. David uh-huh. Keckner, I believe is his Kechner. name. Yep. They were both on yes. SNL at the same time. Similar and they have a looks. similar approach too. Yes, very much so. Cordy's yeah. more of a jerk as when yeah. I'd say Keckner's more of like a lovable a pretty, party guy. Pretty big Yeah. Yeah. He's great when he would pop into the office. Oh yeah. 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 High fidelity, underrated. High fidelity's fine. Yeah, film. that's good. It's a good film. Just saying. I don't have a like, problem with that. He, he and Ryan Reynolds were on the same level for me. Jack That's Black a hell of a pull, though, to go Cusack. Like, there's so many. If you, you're pulling an, an actor's catalog, I and I had to guess the Gibby that you'd pull from, I, I wouldn't have gone Cusack. I would not have probably it, it, taken me a while to get It's one of those there. where, like, even if you happen to fall asleep, you wake up, and it's okay. Yeah. Well, you just yeah. You keep, keep on keeping. Yeah. All right. All right. little mailbag on a first Friday. That's right. Oof. Almost, almost, almost got gotcha. you. That was almost a fine. You'll need it today, brother. Uh, at Browns underscore daily using the hashtag AskCBD. This one from Janko. Uh, college football yep. question. More for Bishop, I think, than anything. Give That's me right. your top four teams right now in college football. There are Ooh, six can I, that are still undefeated. Can I try to – can I – Yeah, I want to try. I want to try. No, do, yeah, no, you, no. you do mine first Yeah, because I'm going to try. Yep. Because this is based off of nothing. Sure. Ohio State. 
Alabama lost to they Tennessee. Did. Yep. So I know that. <clears throat> Is Tennessee undefeated? They are. They are. They are. All right. Put them. Put them in. Tennessee's in. Mm-hmm. Uh, how's Georgia? I feel like they're always undefeated. undefeated. Georgia, National put them champions. in. Put them in. Yep. All right. I got three. Can you give me like a, a, a conference or a non-conference to go? Uh, a dear friend of yours is an avid admirer. The blue? The blue. The blue? All right, there it is. Ohio State, Tennessee, Georgia, Michigan. Yeah. It's a, it is a unique Final Four or top four, right? Here's the deal. I mean, that's that's probably what you would say right now. Uh, Michigan, ha- or I'm sorry, uh, Alabama has a loss and they're flawed. Um, Ohio State's the most complete and best team in the country. Okay. Yeah. Period. Uh, Tennessee is probably a worthy number two in that they've played four ranked, five ranked teams or four ranked teams that are undefeated against those teams. Um, and they beat Bama. I so can't they, believe they're that an I, appropriate number two. I got um, Georgia hit. has kind of been sleepwalking for a while. They've been, they've won, they've handled their business, but we haven't seen them play anybody good in a while. They have Florida this week and they have Tennessee next week. So we'll figure out what they are. And then Michigan is better than I thought they would be. They're more physical. They're better at quarterback with McCarthy than they were last year with McNamara. They can still run it with both backs. Um, they can't get after the passer as well as they did last year with Hutchinson and Ojabo, but they're very sturdy um, and have been very impressive. So I think those are the four. Now, here's what's crazy. You could be in a scenario, obviously, Ohio State plays Michigan. Tennessee plays Georgia, and Bama most likely will represent. So by the end of this thing, I think it's very likely that it's Ohio State. If Georgia beats Tennessee and loses to Alabama, I don't know what the hell you do. Because Tennessee will have beaten Alabama. They'll put and Georgia Alabama in. Well, Bama will be in because they'll be an SEC champion. So yep. Bama's in for sure. Ohio State's in for sure if they went out. Clemson's Clemson still undefeated. is undefeated. Um, TCU is undefeated. But that'll be tricky. We... Like, can a Big 12 team even at undefeated? The Pac 12 is eliminated again. That'll be the tricky one there is, is how do they handle all of that. But usually these things sort themselves out. But I think Bama is very likely to get in because I think they're going to win out. So you think it could end up, could it end up being Ohio State and three SEC teams? It won't be three. I think what would happen then would be if Michigan loses close in the shoe, then they, they would usurp. In. And you would then it would be like this is the future of college football, a two-conference world where there's two Big Ten teams and two SEC teams. That's if Clemson loses. Clemson, undefeated Clemson's in. Clemson, and then on the rise, we're assuming in the next three years is USC, right? Yeah, they're on the come now. I mean, they have a they have a, a loss at Utah. That's it. Other than that, they're six and one. They've got Caleb Williams is really good at quarterback. They're not going anywhere, but they're going to be in the Big Ten in two years, right? Yeah. Crazy, right? They should that just... big Big Ten matchup between USC and Iowa. Total. That'll get you excited. Speaks of just Big Ten history just and lineage. Big, just well, steeping in tradition. Why you saw this past Saturday? Imagine, just, imagine they, man going, oh, hey, little Tommy, can't you wait till 2025 when the Big Ten matchup of the week is UCLA at Rutgers? They need to get rid of the names. Yeah, of course. Like yeah. maybe you have the SEC and then you have the rest of the country conference. <laughs> the Big Ten's going to get to 20. That's right. where they're going. They so, want Notre Dame and then they need – Three they, more to get to twenty. Why isn't Notre Dame done? Because yet. no one has played the hardest the hardest ball you can play with them, which is we won't schedule you and our teams won't schedule you unless, unless you're in our conference. And the Big Ten has an ability to do that because they now have USC and there's talk that they could want Stanford as one of those teams. Yes, so if, of course. If Notre Dame can't play USC, Stanford, Michigan, Purdue, Michigan State, they can't play Stanford any of those teams. Stanford should be in. Stanford 
raises the prestige of your conference, and it's I know but, that football drives everything, but it, it they're good in everything. Well, and the Big Ten is pious, and so they will take the academic standing. Of course, of it, that's what so we are. But Stanford is god awful in football. Like they have like eight people at their games, and so the, what the television partners want is that. I think they could use Stanford as a way to both appease USC and also force Notre Dame. Don't you th- I mean, Sanford has had periods of being very good and having very good talent, and a lot of guys go mm-hmm. to the NFL. Don't you yeah. think if they got into the Big Ten or the Big 20, that would help them recruit better? Well, it would give them $100 million a year in television revenue, and that would help, yeah. provided they spend it on football, and they'd almost have to. Like, you can't have them paying yeah. swimmers. Listen, they're going to win everything else anyway. They're going to win they'll swimming be good in and all of the golf non- and tennis. And yeah, they'll crush all of everything. that. I think that what the Big Ten would do is they would want – you get Notre Dame, you're at 17, and then the other three, ideally, would be Stanford, Oregon, Washington. But the one problem there... Where's the respect for Arizona? It's no market. Perennial, no market perennial basketball power. It's just... it's Basketball doesn't do anything. Desert Kansas. Swarm wasn't that long Ask ago. Kansas. It doesn't mean anything. Yeah. Oops. Nobody cares. So That's they, what I was saying earlier, though. College basketball was a much bigger deal in the 80s and 90s in terms of your... How you felt about a university? People would go to school because they were great basketball schools. College basketball is nothing in terms of importance relative. I would say, and this you could tell me that I was wrong, but I don't believe I am. I think in the heyday of our youth, so we'll call it '80s, '90s. Yeah. College basketball, while was not as important as college football, the gap there was was significantly smaller than it is today. Yes, significantly. A, A big reason for that is guys stayed. So you Talent. had superstars. You yeah. had Shaquille O'Neal played three years at LSU. Grant Hill played four. four at Duke. Like there's constant examples of that of guys. You had real teams. Yeah, you had real teams and you had real stars and they played more. I don't have yes. a problem with your statement at all. Uh, the only counter I had to that was that March Madness is still a huge deal, but the college basketball season is not. Um, I remember when it would be the like one quick just to button up the the Pac-12 yeah. thing. The one kind of just get Arizona, fly in the ointment on. could be could be Cal. Because the California University system is trying to make sure that UCLA can't do this without others. And so they may have to take Cal. Why wouldn't you want Cal? Cal's a good... Just because they suck at everything. They're not good but at football. Why? But they were. I mean, it's still like Aaron Rodgers no, went to Cal. Right. I think that they will... Goff think, went to Cal. I think that there's a win if you take... You basically own California then. Yes. You UCLA, USC, Cal, and Stanford. But Oregon and Washington are both better football operations. And I think you're going to want to appease Phil Knight. So... That's the one thing, because he's got his hands all over this thing. Just bring them all. Bring Arizona, Arizona State. I think they're a better fit probably in the Big 12. Sorry. We'll see. Arizona, Kansas every year. With the big boys. Arizona, Kansas every year in hoops, I wouldn't mind. That'd be fun. Yeah. Who's left in the Big 12? <laughs> well, the Big 12 added Houston, UCF. So it's a good basketball Cincinnati, Utah? And there's one more. No, Utah's in the Big Utah's in the, in the Pac-12. Pac-10. Where's Oklahoma State? Big 12. Are they going to the SEC? No, they're not invited. Really? Yeah. Aren't they good? Yeah, but it's they Aren't already they have Oklahoma. Are they top 20 every year? Them. They don't need them. They have Oklahoma. They don't need them. The SEC big game hunt. It's all they did. So anyway, by counter, they have T. Boone Pickens money, and they've got – and they're top 25 like yeah, every year. It's not a brand. It's not a brand that matters to them, and they already have the state of Oklahoma and that they have Oklahoma. Interesting. Yeah. So you would think they would. Going. You would think if you're a perennial top twenty-five college football team, you would be wanted in one of the top two conferences. If there's fifty teams in them, it's more about a combination of branding. Like, so the, why wouldn't? Let me flip it on the other side. Why wouldn't the Big Ten then want Oklahoma State in the Big Ten because it's a good football program and it gets them into Oklahoma? 
because you're taking the stepchild of the state of Oklahoma, which isn't a a state that you care about. I just feel like it's a good football program. It's not bad. It's, it's not a bad. ton of pros that come out yeah. of Oklahoma State. Well, the crazy thing is, is if we were redoing this whole conversation, you started from scratch, like Indiana, Illinois, Purdue, none of them all would gone. be in the Big Ten. They'd all be gone. Rutgers wouldn't be in. That was a critical mistake. You would do it entirely differently. But some of them have been there 100 years, like Minnesota. Like, they, they wouldn't be in, you know? They so at least that's some the, pros. That's the deal. But they're all locked in, so it is yeah. what it is. Oklahoma State and Arizona. Too good not to be involved. Sad. Um, love a dog today. All right. Great Twitter handle. What rule from college should be adopted by the NFL? Pass interference being only 15 yards on a first down instead of a spot foul I or no two-minute warning. I like the no two-minute warning. I didn't real. I, I guess I didn't, mm-hmm. didn't pay attention to that and realize that there was no two-minute warning. Yeah. I hate the I hate the spot foul on pass interference too. There should be two pass interferences in the NFL. One that is okay. This is clearly a catch. You should have the ball right here because he would have caught it. He's running free. And another one with it is this is third and seventeen or it's like a breakaway it's where a, they tackle right, him or breakaway. This is a third and seventeen coin flip, and you just chucked it forty yards downfield. That should be a fifteen yarder. There's no reason for that to be that punitive. Yeah, the it's but it's got to be an automatic first down. That's fine, but yeah. I don't want it to be. It's too damn punitive. And your question was about wh- the rules which in college. One which one I like? The no, no which two minute or the know? other one. I'll tell you what I like the best is at the end of the games in college when a first down stops the clock. So before they reset the chains, right? Run that by me again. In college, at the end. Yeah. When you pick up a first down, mm-hmm. they stop the clock until they reset the sticks. Yes, first downs re- stop the clock. Yeah. I like that. That's cool. I think that should be – I don't know why that's not in the NFL. Yeah, they reset, and then you have a chance to get up. Get up. Go. Right. Yeah. Well, what that does is it, it takes out any sort of nonsense from the officials, not spotting the ball quick enough, all that type of stuff. It allows you to get organized, get your And it up. makes it easier to go down the field because yeah. it's a first down, so you could throw a bomb – Yes. And you have a chance to get up there and run another play. Spiked or run another play. And the reason you you get that is because you got a first down. You accomplished something. You're rewarded for your efforts. Yes, I I like that. That's the one I would I would take the most. And if you did that, get you don't need a two minute warning. Yeah, it solves it. I don't get the two minute warning anyway. I don't either. Hey, there's two minutes. Well we didn't even have one last week. Cool. Well, they they (laughs) stole it from us. Hell with it. Yeah, no two minute warning. Seconds off. Huh. Interesting. Did we did we snap this at like two oh nine? Are we sure that that's yeah. We lost 13 seconds to kick a field goal. <laughs> doesn't seem or doesn't seem possible. Browns fans catch the Kevin Stefanski show with Z and Gerard Thursday, 7 to 8. Panini's Center Road in Brunswick meet Browns corner Greg Newsom. Hey, that's pretty cool. Check out Thursday Day Football as the guys get you ready for Monday Night Football and the Bengals as well. Bernie coming up next. You'll see Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Cleveland Browns Daily brought to you by BallyBet. Coming soon to Ohio on 850 ESPN Cleveland.
For a team of injury lawyers dedicated to every client every day, call 1-800-ELK-OHIO. Elk and Elk's proud partner of your Cleveland Browns. And as we do every single Wednesday, we head out on the Twisted Tea Hotline, brought to you by Twisted Tea Hard Ice Tea, official sponsor of your Cleveland Browns. Keep it twisted. Our good buddy, Bernie Kozar, joining us on the hotline right now. Where do we find you today, good sir? We're finding ourselves in balmy, rainy Cleveland today. Oh, my God. It's all you never know if it's South Florida, if we're in Kentucky. I mean, you always got to know your location, my friend, before we get started here. Um, Bernie, in the in the game trend, of the weekend, I'm, I'm trending. I'm trending back to make sure I'm ready for Halloween night and Monday night football. Do you have what was little Bernie most often as a kid in Halloween? Well, I don't know about little Bernie, but the the show my the show my age right now. There there was a a Jason Friday the 13th uh, mask that was an old, that was an old standby for a last second Halloween costume in, in the old days. So it's good you had it at the ready. It, that's an, it's, it's an easy one. It's it an is. easy one. It's there it is. Fix. Pop that mask. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> Bernie, we say it's uh, not the prettiest day here in Cleveland, not the prettiest start to our season, two and five. What do you kind of make of this football team that is – been heartbreakingly close in all of the losses with the exception obviously of the game against new england but has now lost four in a row three of those by three points or less yeah to have to have a game to have some so many of the games come down to the last second to a couple of plays being the difference between two and five and bluntly five and two or six and one is somewhat of a common is absolutely a theme here in Cleveland. And it's actually a common theme around the NFL and even more in particular this year with teams and the, the, the ability to get a W is so predicated on one or two plays and stuff. And even just like last week, if you would have said before the week, that Jacoby Brissett was going to be 22 for 27, 258 Ugh. yards. Lamar Jackson was going to have less than 200 yards of total offense, 9 for 16, 120 yards, 59 yards rushing. And Browns killer Mark Andrews was going to have no catches. Nothing. Um, you would have thought for sure we would have won the game. So yep. to have – you know, to have a game like that end up 23-20 like that where really we, we played and we held their, their offensive weapons in place and, and Jacoby played at a good quarterback level of throwing 22 for 27, 258. Nick Chubb averaging um, 5.7 yards a carry, 16 carries, 91 yards. Um, you would think those are the type of things that are conducive towards getting a W. Yeah, and Bernie, that's yeah. why on Monday when we were going all over this, I, I, this is our script. Like, we played against a really good team at their place, and we lost a close game. The reason that this one hurts is because the cumulative damage, it's because we didn't take advantage of the opportunities given in the first few games of the season. That This performance on Sunday was actually one that was quite good. Uh, well, maybe not clutch, but it was certainly quite good and all that could be expected based on the rosters we currently have. Yeah, that's the thing that's uh, discouraging slash we have to play, pay attention to is we, it wasn't like we played a bad game. And actually, from a defensive perspective and from an offensive efficiency per, uh, perspective, that was as solid a game 
as we played in the last few weeks and to play at Baltimore where they had a lot at stake too and to really play better than them in a game. I know I'm a homer here saying that we played better than them, although we got the L, but to have played um, at least as good as them, if not better, and then to not come away with a W, um, to get the fourth loss in a row, that type of discouragement is from a, from a young team's perspective makes Coach Stefanski and from organizationally a massively important week to how he's handling the psychology of his young team getting ready for really a make or break Monday night game before our bye game, our bye week with the Battle of Ohio playing the Bengals. Yeah, and that's exactly where this team finds itself now. It is, it's now or never. <laughs> the time to keep saying, oh, well, we've had three must-wins in a row that we haven't won. Well, this is this is it, right? This is this is the Browns' last stand going against the Bengals team, Bernie, that you know, I know you're an admirer of good quarterback play. It's one of my favorite things watching the Manning cast is they love good quarterback play, and yeah. bad quarterback play frustrates Peyton Manning to no end. But you're going to be going against one of the best in the league right now, Joe Burrow. Bernie, since week three, 71% completions, 312 yards a game, 12 touchdowns, one pick, and a quarterback rating of 117. He's been phenomenal. What makes him so good? This is a team now that just lines up in shotgun and, and passes. They don't even mess around with play action. They just say, we're better than you, and they have been. Yeah, to see, to see Joe Burrow coming into his own, much has been made about not playing in preseason, having the appendectomy surgery in preseason, starting out the season um, a little bit slow. And unfortunately for us Browns fans on Halloween night, uh, it looks like Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals are really hitting their stride offensively. To, to have watched the film the last couple of weeks of Joe Burrow and to see him 34 for 42 last week, 481 yards, three touchdowns, 20 yards rushing, another and a rushing TD. Um, Tyler Boyd, eight catches, 155 yards. DeVar Chase, eight catches, 130 yards, two touchdowns. I mean, they're locked and loaded with weapons offensively. That's that's the type of stuff where um, Joe Burrow hasn't yet to beat the Cleveland Browns. Um, that's That statistically sounds good, but for a guy that's that competitive, you know that that bothers him and that he's going to want to get off the snide and get his first win against the Cleveland Browns just from a competition standpoint and then for the magnitude of the game of the season and the Bengals not having any wins within the division, they know that the division record and tiebreakers are important. And then this battle of Ohio to the Brown family, to the great Paul Brown from here with the Cleveland Browns and with the Cincinnati Bengals, his, his son and daughter, Katie and Mike Brown, um, this is a special game to them. So they don't look past the Cleveland Browns, and I think that this, this game right now, um, this week, is, is uh, we, need to get, we need to get better offensively, and, and we need to get, um, from a defensive perspective, we know we're going to be tested with their shotgun passing game down the field. Yeah, but I'm going to circle back on that historical stuff of the Brown family with you in a second. But, you, but something else I wanted to ask you about, and, and I mean, we made this comment earlier in the week, the way that they are constructed in the receiving room especially, 
it's damn near perfect, Bernie. They've got a burner who's physical and a game wrecker in Chase. They've got a big physical guy in Higgins on the outside, and then Boyd handles all the stuff in the middle and is a lead at the slot. Uh, this is something that is, if you think about the longevity, and this isn't fun to admit, but as I look at this, I go, boy, this is going to be like this for a while, and they've kind of constructed the perfect attack, haven't they? Unfortunately, Bo, I concur with you. The, offensively, that this is this is a uh, quarterback kid for Christmas morning uh, yep. with the with the weapons around him. But from from and that's actually why you know you've heard us talk about how the Browns and how we we struggle to stop in the running game. How we're undersized at defensive tackle. We're a little light at um, linebacker. And part of that, I believe, was a, a, a choice, a, a personnel choice and a schematic choice in the offseason because of just what we're mentioning with those massively awesome, unfortunately awesome weapons that the Cincinnati Bengals have. Now, they're weak at the offensive line. Um, that's Joe Burrow has taken an inordinate amount of hits through the year, um, last year and this year. Um, so to have the Miles Garrett and Javian Clowney being able to get pressure uh, against a pass, a passing team that's exclusively almost shotgun. They actually, if they do have a weakness, it's in their short yardage and goal line ability to get into the end zone and fourth down from the one and two yard line because they, they even though they have Mixon, a phenomenal running back, he had 58 yards last week. Um, three receptions for 33 yards. They still struggle a little bit of running the running the ball. And we were actually constructed with the Denzel Wards and Newsoms and, and Emersons and stuff that we, I believe, we kind of got our personnel with DBs and pass rushing to actually match up against teams like the Cincinnati Bengals. This is from a personal, a defensive personnel standpoint. You know, with our defensive backs, hopefully Denzel's coming back that this is the type of week where we need our DBs to play as best possible lockdown on those those uh, Boyd, Higgins, and Chase, and then our defensive line to take advantage of probably uh, the one uh, limitation within their offense, and that's their pass protection. If you could get if you could get off get off on their pass protection and put pressure on Joe Burrow. Yeah, you've got to. They've given up 25 sacks this year, third most in the league. 13 of those, though, came in the first two weeks, 12 in the last five. Bernie, you mentioned you know, getting that pressure. And last year, one of our recipes for success against Joe Burrow, we actually blitzed our nickel corner. If people remember, Troy Hill had two sacks in that game. We blitzed him often, and that disrupted them. The Browns would have five sacks in that game as a team. Um, but now with him being out of the shotgun, with their improvements in their offensive line, and the fact that Burrow has 121 rating against the Blitz this year. He hasn't thrown a pick, five touchdowns, 8.6 yards in attempt. You know, how do you do that? Is this a game where you must generate your pressure organically, or do you still try and come and bring that Blitz because it's something we've had success with in the past? Well, as a quarterback, uh, a pocket quarterback, I enjoyed throwing against the Blitz, and you can see that Joe Burrow has the weapons to throw against the Blitz and he, he kind of has the presence and confidence to make plays against the Blitz. That being said, I'm right with you, though, Nathan. Last year, we had five sacks, and Troy Hill had two by doing those kind of five-man creative um, man blitz and zone blitz type yeah. nickel blitzes 
um, from from that to kind of solidify that they're keeping their offensive line and somewhat of a mental confusion stand, standpoint as to how to really block. And then sometimes that helped help create some one-on-ones for Miles Garrett as opposed to those double and triple teams that he's been seeing. So um, uh, Joe Burrow also does a really good job when you play just soft zone against them. So yeah. I, I actually would – I want to mix it up. I know that's playing on the fence, but you have to mix it up against teams like that and QBs of, of that elite level. Um, you, you need to mix it up. But, but um, I wouldn't be afraid of the blitz because that, that is what we had some success with last year, and we're going to have to try. We're going to have to try some of, some of that out. And if you could get their line um, with a little bit of confusion or you get some – you get some uncertainty in how they're pass protecting and are running routes or their sense of timing. I think you need to try to uh, amplify those type of indecisions within, within their head to try to create some mental mistakes by them. Bernie, you mentioned how much this one means to the Brown family. I, I think it can be argued pretty clearly that you played in the golden era of this with Sam and uh, obviously Marty and you and Boomer and, and Paul Brown still around and all of that. What what was this week like for you when it was Bengals week, when it was Battle of Ohio, and what sense did you get of what it meant to Paul Brown to come here and play the team of his namesake? Wow, Bo, i got to tell you, a whole blast of adrenaline and goosebumps just went through my body as you were asking me that question. And it's still that adrenaline, goosebumps, excitement goes through your body when I think about that. And yes, I just say the joke about the CTE has affected us, but it has not affected my memory on how Art Modell and the Browns organization was that week. Um, Mr. Modell, God bless, he's passed, but and, and Mr. Brown has passed, but his, his son and daughter, Katie and Mike, are still there. That attitude that week, you knew within our locker room that that meant a hell of a lot to the Browns organization. Mr. Modell and and his his front office people because they were accountable for our performance that week, and when I, I would be able to go on the field in the mid '80s and see the great Paul Brown, it was that was an awesome honor for me as a historian of the game. And then actually one of my favorite, one of my most favorite days I've had in my 58 years of life was I was at the Mobile Senior Bowl, uh, Senior Bowl, um, probably about 15 years ago. And I flew down with Mike Brown and uh, uh, Coach Cooper, Ohio State. Mm -hmm. And Coach Cooper was scouting for the Bengals. And Mike Brown's taken a lot of flack over the years for for sometimes people say his, his knowledge of football and and how he understands the game and stuff. And I, and I had heard those type rumors, but I had never met him. And I got to spend a day with him just talking X's and O's and just talking football and schemes and coverages and, and high-low stretches. And for a, for a man who's an owner, I was absolutely so impressed with his level of knowledge of the X's and O's of football, that um, it was it was so much fun for me to be able to hang out with him and go back and forth with the X's and O's, and then for him to be such an astute fan 
of the Browns and for him growing up as a little boy, being a Browns fan on the east side of Cleveland, he knows everything about about <laughs> Cleveland, the team, the city. And for me, and I, I hope Boomer and I love you, Boomer. I hope you're listening and you hear this clip. But but for us to have been able to beat their backside so bad and get the better side of that <laughs> Battle of Ohio in the mid-'80s made for a hell of a lot of levity and jovialness out of me. <laughs> I love that. I think Boomer's going to be on the uh, Manning cast this week. Oh, he's going to be on the cast. I oh, think that'll so. be pretty good. Yeah. So then you'll get him. Oh, he's got to he, he's got to let me he's got to let me get on the Manning cast with him. So I'll tell the truth about what the uh, Battle of Ohio was like when they yes. used to go home so sad. We got to get right. that done. Let's yeah. get Bernie and Boomer on the Manning cast together. together. That would be the way you do it. That'd be great. We got to get to get that done, Come Bernie. Come on, Peyton. Let's get that done. Yeah, Listen we've here. got to do that. We, we won. We won the game. We won most of the games back then. <laughs> yes, you did. Yes, you did. Yeah, which is glorious. Great talking. Hey, to you, we've friend. won four in a row. Let's keep, sure. it, let's keep, keep it, it rolling. rolling. Keep it rolling. Yeah, we're gonna keep that streak going. Actually, and the Bengals. I know we'll probably go into a break and stuff, but the Bengals games. That was one of the the games that started me on my obsession with what I do for the first play of the game because in big games on the road or in Monday night games, you'd like to be able to show early what you want to do and that you have confidence and stuff. So I had multiple games against the Bengals where they were important games and instead of like coming out and running the ball up the middle and being safe and secure and patient early in the game, going going hard for the jugular and going hard at showing people you believe and going after them. And that was fun for me to be able to use, uh, use some aggressive down the field throws to put the Bengals in their place back in the day. How important is it for a quarterback, since you mentioned that right there, to have that early game success, first throw success, first drive success? Because I think back just the New England game. Jacoby Brissett's interception on the second play, that clearly rattled him. But last week we went right down the field and he was feeling great and he ends up 22 at 27. How much does that actually matter to a quarterback? You know, Nathan, a fantastic question. If I was playing and the QBs that were playing – when we're playing, we say, hey, we're pros, we're veterans. Uh, we don't get affected by it. Um, we're able to handle it. We know if we start slow, we'll be able to come back. Um, we say that to talk ourselves into it. It absolutely is a difference. And when you are able and you believe you could do something and you actually come out and you do it, you hit a nice pass down the, down the field, you, you score on your first drive, you absolutely have way more confidence and belief, and I absolutely play better with it. Just like if on the rare occasions when you stunk at the beginning of the game or you blew a couple throws, that demon really resonates in your head. And I actually thought about it Monday night when I was watching um, uh, Mac Jones and Zappy in the New England game. You know, when you uh, – it almost looked like Mac was, was almost predetermined to um, – if he had some issues to get benched and stuff. So sometimes if you don't feel confident, if you don't feel like you could make the plays and stuff, or you feel like your team doesn't believe in you or your coach doesn't believe in you, that absolutely affects your performance, your ability to stick the ball in there and to execute these plays. You're the best, buddy. Love our conversations. Thanks for your time yes. today. God bless you. You matter. Go Browns. Big game Monday night. 
Huge. Halloween. It's going to be fun. The great Bernie Kozar joining us on the Twisted Tea Hotline. It's pretty amazing that Art Modell didn't change the name of this team when he fired Paul Brown. Yeah. Where would you have gone? I don't know. I mean, I wasn't Art Modell in the 60s. But, I mean, I, you just think to yourself, like, sometimes we don't even consider that. Right. That there is a team owned by Paul Brown's family in this state, in they, our division. Prior to this year, played in Paul Brown Stadium. Played in Paul Brown Stadium. We're named after the guy. Right. Modell fired him. At that point, he could have named it anything. And at that point, They'd like. They won so many championships, though. That's right. But at guess. that time, like. So you what? could have done anything. It's not like there was any pressure. The NFL isn't what it is now. There wasn't the branding. There wasn't the loyalty behind it right. for decade upon decade upon decade. It would have been relatively easy at that time to rebrand to whatever he thought the team should have been. Yeah. Like, I'm glad he didn't. Sure. But at the same time, like, it, it is a we wild might, thing that you... We might add better colors. Yeah, you would. You, I'm, I, I suppose I, I so, yeah. We're the it's, only team with brown in the whole league. That's true. Yeah, yeah. So it is... Isn't that weird? Yeah. To me that he didn't it's good. It's good. that he has that time and he was like, eh. Yeah, we'll just roll with this. And then how pissed off would you be if you're Paul and you're fired and you're like, Well, I'm gonna start a new team and was initially looking at Columbus and then ended up in Cincinnati and thinking like, Wait, I gotta play. I gotta my go play team? the Browns? <laughs> I gotta play Named me? after me? Named after me? Yeah. It's wild. Yeah. We don't consider it much other than this week when you play them. Uh well, it'd be like in your other line of work that if you were somehow let go of that show and they brought somebody else in and they kept the same kept name. Kept the same name. Yeah. Oh, More emphasis on the friends, apparently. Yeah, they're both less on less, me. Less on the bishop. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be pretty wild be if weird. that happened. Yeah, I would yeah. think. Confusion. Yeah, yeah it would be. Uh, yeah. Jake Trotter will join us coming up next. You'll listen to Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Cleveland Browns Daily brought to you by BallyBet. Coming soon to Ohio on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Rumpke Waste Recycling, family owned and operated. Whether you join them as a customer as an employee, you'll become part of the family. Visit Rumpke.com to learn more. Let's head out on the Twisted Tea hotline for a visit with our old buddy Jake Trotter of ESPN joining us. Jake, thanks for taking the time, buddy. Let's let's just start out with... Um, I, this is such a, a big week for a lot of reasons. We have the trade deadline coming up on Tuesday. You have the Bengals here on Monday night. You're coming off of a divisional loss. Um, it feels already like we're in a little bit of a danger zone here. What's your read around the team this week in terms of their approach to this week? Yeah, Bo, it's a huge game. If you lose it, it's, it's hard to find the path back. Uh, especially with the schedule that you're going to have after the bye at Miami, at Buffalo, and Tampa Bay, who's struggling but still has Tom Brady and, and some pretty impressive weapons around him. You know, the, 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 the team hasn't had, like, their normal schedule, as you guys know, uh, because mm-hmm. of the Monday night game. I think we'll have a better feel for the state of the team later this week, you know, when they kind of get into their heart of their practices. But – you know, it was a very frustrated group on Sunday afternoon, evening. I can tell you that. And, you know, they played pretty well on Sunday. I think they played actually their best game of the season and to still lose. And now to be in the situation you're in, it definitely feels like it's teetering and could fall off the precipice with the, with the loss Monday night. 
There's no doubt that it is. Uh, you're sitting here at two and five, staring two, two and six in the face and being multiple games behind both teams ahead of you in the division, or you have a chance to kind of at least give yourself some life, get back into it with a win over a Bengals team you've beaten. Jake, when this team, as this team sits here at two and five, if you were kind of to identify, you know, three things that are most responsible for how the Browns have gotten here, what would they be? Yeah, I mean, I think you have to start with, and I know they played really well, I thought, at least on Sunday. I mean, the played defense great. has been a massive a massive disappointment. I mean, they've yep. been, you know, right around 30th in the NFL in defense, you know, efficiency, DVOA, whatever analytic you want to include. You know, they've been especially bad in the fourth quarter, and it hasn't just been, you know, one game. It, it, you know, the Jets game, I think, kind of put the Browns on this path to where we are now but they didn't play well in the fourth quarter defensively in Carolina. We've seen how bad, you know, that offense is. And, you know, just to struggle across the board in a way, I don't think any of us would have predicted. I mean, we knew that, you know, stopping the run could be a little bit of an issue, but not to this extent that, you know, you're having a trade for linebackers in the middle of the season. Um, You know, we, we thought that, uh, you know, maybe it would take a little while, but that they would find their stride pretty quickly uh, in, in the secondary like they did last year. And, you know, again, the defense played well Sunday, but until then, you know, guys are just wide open all the time in, in opportune moments. And that's been a killer as well, especially for a secondary we thought was going to be, what, top five, right? Didn't we all agree? Yeah, that yeah. It could be a top no five secondary. And from a talent perspective, I don't think that, that we were far off, but, you know, guys that just, you know, not produced to the level we thought that they would, you know, out of training camp. So, I mean, that, that's number one. You know, number two, you're playing with a backup quarterback. But I would say this, guys. I mean, if I'd have told you before the season that Nick Chubb would be leading the NFL in rushing, Jacoby yep. Brissett would be top 12 in QBR, I think yep. we all agree the receivers and tight ends have probably exceeded expectations sure. a little the bit. The whole offense has. I mean, wildly, in Joku, Yeah, and Joku, DPJ, and, and Amari Cooper have all – played well and then yeah. the offensive line has been its normal dominant self like I, I it's hard to you know it's hard to look at that and say man you know what's wrong with this team but you know offensively they're just not as explosive as some of the teams that they're getting ready to face and so you know I think Jacoby Brissett has been the least of their issues but you mm-hmm. know he's, he's still a backup quarterback for a reason and then you know you you look at the special teams guys and oh my goodness like just awful across the board on Sunday and it really gets exposed when you're playing a special teams unit that's just phenomenal like the Ravens I mean big punt return you know huge field goals I mean control the field position I mean I don't even know that there was a you know special teams uh that that didn't get completely outplayed by the Ravens in that game you know blocks blocks the field goal at the end of the game so those are three things that, that stick out to me, and I, I think there are some other issues. Game management has been an issue at times. Um, you know, that's contributed to some of these fourth-quarter collapses. Um, you know, injuries are, are not helpful right now. Um, you know, the Njoku injury I think is going to be a killer that, that we're not really talking yeah. a lot about. But no it's gonna, I think it's going gonna, it's gonna to appear that way Monday night when the Browns I mean, are trying to score with Cincinnati. So it's, it's a bunch of things. Yeah. But those are, you asked for three, there you go. David Njoku's got 50 or more yards receiving in five straight games, 70 or more in four of those five. He's second in the NFL in receiving yards among tight ends since week two. Harrison Bryant's career high is 56 yards, which happened we had this fortunately new, against uh, Cincinnati. Receiving, 
Well, I was going to say, we have this new receiving analytic that we've been compiling data, data for at ESPN. We just kind of made it public, but it's, 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 it's compiled data over you know, multiple years to kind of come up with, uh, I think, kind of an appropriate representation of where, uh, you know, how receivers and tight ends perform. It's like, you know, getting separation, making contested catches, you know, yards after the catch, all of that sure. into one rating. David Njoku is number two among tight ends. Yep. Travis yep. Kelsey is the only one that's ahead of him. I, I don't He's think been he realized how, how good of a season he was having before that injury. I think it's a lot. And he's a great blocker. It's a lot like the Anthony mm-hmm. Walker thing. I think those of us who pay really close attention to the team yes. know what the loss meant when you see the loss yep. to the Joker, the loss to Walker. If you pay really close attention, you knew. But but from the pu- public at large, I think it's like, oh, just a tight end, just a linebacker. No. Just give it to Chubb. Yeah, right. Right. So <laughs> much more than that. Yeah. 48 so that's, carries for Chubb. Right. Yeah. i got to be right. honest, guys. I was surprised by how big the Anthony Walker injury was. Massive. I just didn't. I just didn't think it was going to have that big of an effect on the running, the running defense. And, you know, so, he's a, he's definitely a leader on the team. Like I, yes. I thought that that would be a thing, but just his play on the field is something that they missed. And that's not a guy you think of when you think about the Browns defense, at least to begin the season. It was more than just his play, which was stellar in those games. It was his ability to diagnose things pre-snap and relay that to yep. the young players around him. And so I don't think it's a surprise that the first week that Jeremiah Usukoromoa has bounced back since Anthony Walker went down. One, Anthony Walker was back in the building working with them at practice, but Deion Jones was on the field with him. Yeah. He he When yeah. he knows what he's supposed to do, JOK is as good as anybody in the league, but he's still learning, and to have those veterans matters a great deal for him. Yeah, they, they definitely have looked lost without Anthony Walker, and I just didn't think it would happen to that degree that it has. Yeah. Jake, um, we Nathan and I talked about this on Monday that the loss to Cincinnati now operate. You're now operating on a couple of uh, two parallel planes here. One, sure, beat Cincinnati and you're a game back of them, and who knows what happens with Baltimore. The season is alive, although daunting. You can still you can still be in that mix. At the same time, you say to yourself, well, how can rec- we recoup perhaps some of the things that are out there in terms of that we've given up for Watson, for example? I'm, I'm talking about draft capital or young players. Uh, Kareem Hunt has been mentioned a lot. Uh, your, your colleague at ESPN, Jeremy Fowler, mentioned Kareem Hunt, Greedy Williams, all sorts of reports that calls have been taken on those guys uh, out there. Um, maybe Jack Conklin as well. Um, what do you make of the noise around this team from that perspective? Yeah, I mean, I think the Monday night game is going to have a big impact on the way the Tuesday trade deadline goes. You know, if they get, you know, if they get dialed up, and let, you know, let's face it, guys, Cincinnati's capable of dialing up this Browns team. You know, the way they'll the way dial that up anybody. Yep. Yeah. So, like, if if you just get, you know, if you, if it's similar to the New England game then I think, I think everything is on the table at that point. And, you know, you trade away a guy like Kareem Hunt, like what kind of message does that send to the team? Probably not a great one about what you think about your prospects for the rest of the season. But like, as you said, Bo, you're light on draft picks right now. And, I mean, if there was an offer worth taking, like I, I, think, I think Fowler wrote that, you know, the Browns would do it for a fourth-round pick. Yeah, that makes that. sense to me. Six-round pick? Like the James Robinson trade, no. I just I don't know. Is that worth it to you guys? I I wouldn't no no do that. So it just kind of depends what you're getting offered. But it, it, you know, the fan base should be aware of two things. One, like all of this is possible. Like it, there could be, you know, there's a scenario where the Browns are a seller at the deadline. 
Yeah. But B, like you're not getting a second round pick for Kareem Hunt either. So it's it's uh, you know if you're going to fire sell, like it's got to be worthwhile. But I I don't think you're getting anything but day three picks for any of these guys that could potentially be on the block. Right, and, and I think that's the scenario you're in. You're like much likely, as we said, to be a seller rather than a buyer. But if you are a buyer, maybe you're finding somebody that is you know, in a situation under a rookie contract that you think can help you in the future. It is interesting, the Browns, where you said, what's the message? I think there's a lot of belief in Dearness Johnson and Jerome Ford, who we haven't seen, that you know, we do have an overabundance of talent mm-hmm. at the running back position. And certainly Nick Chubb is not going anywhere, uh, the league's leader in rushing, but... Yeah, it's it's an interesting scenario, and it, it really is incredible how we've gotten here. And I think I go back to you know what you were talking about earlier. The Jets game, I think, kind of set you off into a, a little bit, and I know you bounced back and you beat the Steelers, but that game, you should have been 3-0. and And then it's who knows how you play in Atlanta at 3-0. and And I know you had injuries there, but it just feels like special teams, you know, onside kick, missed extra point, missed two field goals against the Chargers. Uh, the big return that just handed three points – you know, to the Ravens in that last game. Those little things are adding up for a team that doesn't have a big margin for error. And it's also, I think, causing us to lose sight of you led with this. But if we were to say, okay, we're going to play against in seven games, we're going to play against Baker Mayfield, Joe Flacco, Mitch Trubisky. Mm. By the way, none of those three are starting for their teams anymore. Baker was Mm -hmm. doing scout team work today in Carolina. Marcus Mariota, who is still starting, Justin Herbert, Bailey Zappi, and Lamar Jackson. You'd say, okay, two tough matchups there with the quarterbacks, obviously Herbert and, and Lamar. Five very easy ones, but were the number six total offense, the number 10 scoring offense, were first in the NFL in big plays as an offense? You'd say, of course, we're five and two. So it's those defense special teams issues that have just, in many ways, kind of derailed what could have been a surprisingly good start to the season before you got Deshaun Watson back. And, and you mentioned those quarterbacks that the Browns have faced. And then you look at the ones that they're getting ready to face. And, yeah. I mean, this is kind of the problem you're in now. You can play, a, you can play your what – what do you guys think they played at, at Baltimore? Would you say like a B-plus type game? Maybe even A-minus? I think A-minus. Yes, great defense. I didn't have a problem with it. I thought it was Eff- their best – maybe their best performance Efficient of the year, offense. Honestly. Not great special teams, and you had a the, uh, your turnover was more costly than their turnover. You were great defensively. Your quarterback went great. twenty-two at twenty-eight, and like, you ran for you six ran yards for, to carry. So, yeah, I mean you can't against a good defense. So, like you can play. The point is, you can play your A minus game. Of course, these next four games and lose all four games. You've got Burrow, you Tua, Allen. That you were way better than. You're not. That's right. That's the Browns correct. are not better. That's right. They're not better than any of these teams are getting ready to face. With the possible exception to Tampa, but, but I have more faith in Tampa, what they might be by the time we get to Thanksgiving than, than what we've seen out of Cleveland so far. So you're in a position now where you can play really well and still lose. And, I mean, I don't know. What, what do you guys think the record is going to be when Deshaun Watson gets back? That's I've been harping this all week that the that I this Baltimore loss isn't the one that sticks in my craw because this is – this was the best way for us to play against good teams. We lost to a good team at their place in a hotly contested mm-hmm. game. With we a chance really to win well, it With a late. chance to win it late. Like, that's all you could ask for based yeah. on the way this team's constructed. To answer your question, I think that – I think you could peddle hope, and it's slim, and I understand this is a reach. I think you could peddle it at 4-7 and seven with Watson coming back based on what's happening around in the AFC. It's a tall – tail to pedal i i understand and acknowledge but that's requiring you to win two of the next four right so that's that's where you that's ask. the minimum that you have Correct. to get to, to the have are they chance. more likely to be four and seven or two and nine 
I I can't even say the other know. out loud because then we're reviewing the Goonies every day. I won't make you all say that. The fact even of the matter is, guys, you botched like, your coaching. Yeah, you've lost it because you blew it in the first five games. Yes. We saw Deshaun Watson in Jacksonville. I'm not saying he's going to be that poor coming out of the gate, but like he's not. He's not going to be 2019 Deshaun Watson on the first right snap back after a year and a half away. So this idea, because if you're four and seven guys, you probably got to go six and zero. Oh. Yes. Like they're not going six and zero, oh, so you've got to get to five and six, which means you've got to win three of these next uh, four. Is it four? Yeah, three of these next four games, and like. Mm. There's just no evidence to suggest that this team is capable of that against the teams are getting ready no. to play. No, no, there's not. Yeah, that's where it is. So, but you it's... beat you beat Cincinnati and like you know maybe maybe the equation begins to change. I mean, all you can do is take it one game at a time. But here's the with the except look, we can beat Buffalo. It would we would be significantly. There's a very the they're percentage. The one that's it doesn't feel like yeah, we're go, right. They are going to be a prohibitive favorite against us, but. We're, they could be like we're capable of beating game. anybody. We're capable of losing to anybody, but we're yeah. capable of yeah, beating that's anybody. That's been the problem. Yeah, and we have lost to teams we shouldn't have, and we have not yet beaten somebody that we shouldn't have. And so that ends up with, and four of these games are three points or less. You know, you recover an onside kick, you beat the Jets. You do something that you'd win, you win a game that had been won, I believe, I still have this number, 2,236 times in a row in that scenario. That game had been won. You do that, you're three and four yeah. with a chance to get to four and four. That's all you had to do. I mean, you make a field goal, one of two against the Chargers, and you win that yeah. game just on, on two plays on special teams alone. Recover an onside kick, make a field goal. That's it. And we're four, four and three. three. Yeah. Not to mention what we yeah, could have I mean, done. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm with you. It, the, although, I will say this. I could make the case that, that the Browns' two wins have come against the number 31 and number 32 ranked teams in the NFL. No doubt. There's no question. And they were more of struggles than they should have been. We yeah. need a 58-yarder to beat an awful Panthers team. Yeah. Who, by the way, beat the yeah. Bucks. Yeah, and Carolina might be playing their best quarterback right now. So B.J. Walker. <laughs> well, this has all been real fun, Jake. Yeah, Thanks very for your time, positive. Buddy. I know. Really what, appreciate what can you. I, I, I feel, I, I, I'm usually trying to, you know, find the optimism, but it's tough it's right tough. now, guys. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Good talking to you, buddy. All right, see you later. All right, that's our good friend Jake Trotter, ESPN NFL Nation. Uh, Rumpke Waste Recycling. Womp. Where's the music after that one? Goodness gracious. Well, us as a customer, as an employee, will become part of the family. Visit Rumpke.com to learn more. So much more to come. You listen to Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Cleveland Browns Daily brought to you by BallyBet. Coming soon to Ohio on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Catch the Browns preview show tonight, 7 to 8 on the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns Radio Network. Tight end Harrison Bryant and the voice of the Browns, Jim Donovan, join Ken and Gerard on the program tonight. You have that to look forward to, which is very, very nice. I got a hot take for you since we were talking Cusack earlier. Hit me, hit me. Joan greater than John. What's Apex Joan? 
Fair question. So in my mind, Apex Joan, Loved Her in Arlington Road, fine film, great okay. thriller. Jeff Bridges, okay. Tim Robbins, Adam's Family, she's great in all of Adam's Family. She's in the Toy Story as a voice actress. She does a lot. She's in a lot of stuff, and I find her to be very, very entertaining. I School think, of Rock. She's School amazing. Of Rock, she's great in that. Yep. I think the uh, the only reason I have to overrule you is the fact that Cusack in Con Air is running around in like sandals with socks and khakis stealing cobras. That's his best. That's where I find him to be the most enjoyable and likable. Yeah. She was also great, by the way, in My Blue Heaven. No big deal. Fine film. I don't know. It's, uh, it's close. I can't totally co-sign it, but it's not outrageous. It's not outrageous. It's not outrageous. It's not outrageous. And it's it should not. be outrageous, but it's not outrageous. But it's not. Yeah. The next level coming up next. We're back tomorrow. Cleveland Browns Daily, 850 ESPN Cleveland. You've been listening to Cleveland Browns Daily, a production of the Cleveland Browns.